0: excited to be here tonight. Um, this is my, this is my one time a year that Christian lets me out of the cage and lets me come talk to you guys. Um, for those of you that don't know me well, I'm the resident director at Douglas and we, uh, we live in that tiny brick house over there by Douglas and, uh, I have a super hot wife who's here tonight and I have a I have a little girl. It sometimes appears that we have three little girls, but two of them are pawn checks, And my hot wife watches them in the daytime. But one of them she gave birth to, and we like the fact that she was born right as we moved to Sterling College, so She doesn't know anything but Sterling College. She doesn't know anything but you guys. So uh, we really like it here at Sterling College, and we like that you guys get to be a part of our lives and especially part of her lives. Um, It's going to be weird uh, the time when we leave, and then we have to convince her that you're not always allowed to eat with 500 other people at lunchtime. And that there's some random giant guys that you can't just run up to and and give a hug to. I mean, you can, but she's two. We gotta watch out. Um, but uh, kind of our background, for those of you who don't know us, we, we moved here. This is our third year here. And uh, so when we came here, Emily was born during orientation of our first year here. And uh, like like I had to come back from the hospital to come to the fashion show like uh uh or the variety show rather and uh so we are we are in the uh we are in the midst of just being in a place where we love uh we love being here we're here uh for you guys, and so we like the fact that we get to live among you, and so uh, I count it an honor to come and be able to speak for you tonight, and I count it an honor to have so many good people, uh, so many good students involved in our life, and and although one day we will have to train our daughter that not everyone loves her, maybe, uh, it's nice that you guys do. So we thank you uh, from my family for that. Um incidentally, for those of you who pray for us uh we may or may not be trying to make another Emily so <laughs> so knock whenever you come over. you know what I mean that 's that 's inappropriate that's that's not appropriate, not for chapel, not for chapel uh If the tiny brick house is rocking, still not appropriate, still not appropriate. This is chapel. Um. So hopefully, don't owe me, faith. That's real. I'm married. I can do what I want. Uh, yeah, no, it's just, it's no good. I don't know where... I don't know where it came from. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll disguise that joke as a prayer request. It's not inappropriate. i say, pray for us. We're having a kid. So go ahead and send an email to Tina, whatever you got to do. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. This is ridiculous. Okay, uh, tonight, 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 uh, Christian gave me, like, a really hard passage to talk about. It's not cool. Um, I didn't know ahead of time that he was going to give me a really hard one and that the Royals were going to be in the World Series. So we're here tonight, and we're going to go over something that's pretty fun. Plus, he got into my action last weekend. I'm pretty sure there's a couple of these verses you're going to hear twice. That's unacceptable. It's unacceptable. He got into my business. So... The verses that we're going to read you guys if you've uh if you've come up in church then you've heard these before um but I think what was difficult maybe about these is to has um, taken these verses and understanding that we have uh we have a lot of different kind we have a lot of different backgrounds in this room um these verses aren't as hard if uh if I'm sitting around in a group of men and we go through them, uh, men who have grown up in the church, and we go through these verses, um, it's easier. But I understand we have so many different backgrounds that I want to I want to put this in a place where when we unpack a difficult text like this, that you'll be able to you'll be able to get something out of it, no matter where you're coming from, no matter what your background is. Um, so let's go ahead. Uh, if you have your Bible with you, we're going to be coming out of Romans chapter seven, uh, carrying on in the Romans theme, and um, the verses are 13 through, t- or 14 through 25, and the way Paul writes this, it's, it's a little hard, so bear with me as I even read this, because it gets jumbled up, you'll understand here in a minute. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of flesh sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is that is in my flesh. So that's like just hard to read, period, because he's going into what I want, I do not do, and what I do want to do, 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 don't want, do. And so, um, but the gist is, Paul is coming to us and saying he has this inner turmoil inside of him. And I think this is a place where we have this wide span of people in this room. Uh, Everyone ranging from, Maybe you grew up in the church and had loving parents and maybe uh, you came to Sterling because what you wanted to do was get an education and grow in the Lord. And that's a wonderful place to be. And then and then along, uh, along the, the line of other people who we have here, it goes all the way to the end of you may be in here and you're just here for a chapel credit because you have to be here and really... Um, you're fed up with Christians and you don't want anything that they have to offer. That may be the other end of the spectrum. Or you may be somewhere in between where this idea of dichotomy, this idea of good and evil, this idea that says sometimes I want to do good, but for some reason I don't. Or I have it deep inside me that there's some things that I don't want to do. When you're at your best and you're at your, your mind's height, There's some things that you don't want to do, but for some reason, you still do them. That's a thing that no matter where you are on the sliding range, you know, maybe your Christian experience is you've had a whole lot of Christians who who let you down, or they were something something else than what they said they were going to be. Or maybe you had parents who dragged you to church, um, but their lives were anything but reflective of Jesus. Like, I can't. I can't know for sure what your experience was, but anywhere along here, I think all of us can relate to this idea that says sometimes I find in myself, I really want to do this good. I really want to live this life well. I really want to be a good friend to my friends. I really want to be an honest and great person. I really want to do what is good, but for some reason I don't do that. And then there's other things in our heads that say, there's this list of things like, I know I shouldn't do this. I know this, 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 and this should not be a part of my life, but it is. It is, and that's frustrating no matter where you are. If you're the church kid or if you're the, the guy who who hasn't had anything to do with, with God, this is where we can all relate. We're all in the same plane of at some point we've done something we didn't want to do or vice versa. So that's what Paul is going through. So like real quickly, Paul, I'm sure it's been covered in, in chapel, but we'll hit it real close. Paul. <laughs> Paul started out as Saul, and he was persecuting Christians all the time. Uh, All the things that you hear on the news that ISIS is doing right now, uh, Paul did that and worse. So if you're in that place, uh, that's what I always like to bring up. Sometimes people say, God can't possibly love me as much as you say he does. God can't possibly easily forgive me. You don't know what I've done. Here's Paul. Here's Paul who... When they persecuted Christians, like I said, they did the things that you see on the news right now. They drug people out. It's even weirder. Like they have his, like they have historical accounts that when Paul and Nero were persecuting Christians, that they would do all kinds of crazy stuff to them. They would drag them out, put uh, they would drag Christians out at their parties, put them in uh, fur. They'd drape fur over them and then let dogs attack them. They'd put them in the corners of the rooms, and they'd light them on fire when it got to be night so that they could have some light in the room. That's like crazy, crazy stuff. So at the end of the day, you may have done some stuff that you feel like, man, I don't know how God could ever forgive that. I don't know. You never lit Dayton on fire because it got dark in here. I mean, really? Really? but God chose to use Paul. He chose, when Paul finally got to see Christ, he had an encounter with Christ. He finally encountered the true Jesus, and Paul had this 180. Paul had this 180, and, and now we know Paul to be, I mean, if you gotta figure out who like the best Christian ever was, it was probably him. Paul went from, dragging people out and lighting them on fire to God came and said I forgive you I even give you a new name and then Paul went on to write almost a third of the New Testament like the Bible that we have was written by the guy who used to drape fur over people and let the dogs have them he wrote the Bible so So then Paul is this man who we know becomes powerful. He becomes this great Christian man. He writes a lot of the Bible. And then Paul himself, Paul himself in, let's see, Paul himself says, I'm the least of the apostles. I'm not worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted the church of God. That's still that's still in Paul's mind. Like if we saw Paul right now, if he walked in, he's this great Christian. He wrote most of this, or a lot of this Bible we read. But Paul still had it in his mind. Now, I remember. I remember what I did. I deserve to be called... Not only am I the least of the apostles, don't call me one. I remember what I did. So he comes and even Paul, even Paul, this powerful Christian. Funny story. Um, In Acts 19, I'm just going to read it to you. I was going to paraphrase it, but I think it's actually really sweet. Um, So Paul becomes this, The opposite of what he was. He's out promoting Christ. He's out starting churches. He's out trying to share with people who have never, in the Jewish world, if you weren't Jewish, you didn't get to come to God. Paul's out saying to everyone, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Remember what Jesus said? Jesus is for everyone. You who are hurting, you who are sick, all you people who they always said, you can't ever come to God. No, 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 I say you can God says welcome. This is what Paul's spreading throughout the land. And uh, the power that God gives Paul um, in Acts 19, verses 11. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Scaba were doing this. But the evil spirit answered them. This is what the evil spirit says. Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit... Leapt on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. Now, anybody ever been in a fight in here? That's okay, just raise your hand so we know not to touch you. Um, if you get in a fight and at the end of the fight you're naked, you lost. Have you ever been in that kind of fight? I didn't think so. So we have a Bible story, which we should teach our children in Sunday school, where seven guys, they know that Paul's so powerful that this says, this says here, uh, they were like touching him with aprons and handkerchiefs and then taking the handkerchief and going to the sick, and it was healing the sick. And Paul could go to people who had evil spirits in them and say, get out, and they would go. Now imagine, (laughs) let's go with Dayton again. Dayton has an evil spirit in here. He's slobbering all over the place. We just got done with Halloween. You know what it looks like. He's slobbering all over the place and telling me that I'm real, real bad for bringing up the Bible. And then I try to cast something out and I say, In the name of the Jesus that Paul claims, get out. Now that's what these guys did. And the spirit says, Oh, I know Jesus. And I've heard of Paul. Evil spirits had heard of Paul. That's as far as he'd progressed. I would feel like I was the business. If an evil spirit was like, yeah, I heard of Jesus and I heard of John Summit. You heard of me? But Paul had progressed in power. The spirit had given him so much that they had heard of him. And then one dude jumps on seven guys and beats them till they ain't got pants. Okay? So it's a funny story. It's in there. Should be a coloring book. But it illustrates the power that was bestowed upon Paul. This is where he was. Handkerchiefs. Handkerchiefs that touched him had power. It's crazy stuff. Demons recognized his voice alongside Jesus. But Paul was still this dude who used to do all these atrocities. But God said, I give you a new name. And even as he writes the New Testament, even as he writes this Bible that we read, he's still in a place that says, I, Paul, whose handkerchiefs can heal people. I, Paul, who the Lord has given so much power that evil recognizes me as an enemy. I, Paul, who he didn't know he was writing the Bible, but he's writing the Bible. I, Paul, still say, there's these things inside me that... I don't want to do, and I still do them. There's these things that I do know that I should do, and I don't, I don't do them. So, so if we cut it off right there, was like that's where it comes in. It's kind of tough. It's kind of this tough word of like, here's even the greatest Christian still suffering with this idea that like, there's two things here there's good and evil, and they're button heads. But, but there at the end, he says, he says, how do I deal with this? How does this, how do I bring this up? Only through, only through Jesus, my Savior and Lord. He throws that there on the end. And uh, he goes into, just want to read that. Go back to Romans 7 here. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me? from this body of death thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord and I didn't mess with Christian for getting in my business but I want to go to the next the next verse we don't have to travel very long before we get to Romans 8 1 that says there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus like we don't have to move very far at all before we get to that before we get to victory so these this funny story about Paul and people getting beat pantsless handkerchiefs and power it brings us to this place where we can know That this is a common struggle among all of us. Among all of us. No matter who you meet. No matter who you meet in your life. And where you are on that spectrum. If all your life you've been in a Christian place. Or if all your life you've been getting treated like crap by Christians. No matter where you are on that place. The truth is. The greatest Christian among us can't live this life without, without fully submitting to the love of Jesus. The greatest, the greatest, the greatest Christian among us must submit fully to the love of Jesus if he hopes to love other people well. And even in the midst of that, whoever whoever you want to pick out in your life or whoever you know that you feel like is this really great Christian, let me tell you somewhere in their life, if Paul struggled with this, they struggle with it too. So so look around, Every everybody in this room, everybody who's not in this room, that's the one thing. There's truth in this. If you don't care about the Bible, if you don't care to read it, if you don't think that it's true, this is true, whether you like it or not. We all deal with this clash that says, I want to do good, but for some reason I jack it up every now and then. There isn't, this, isn't, this isn't just a faith thing. This isn't something that you have to believe in God or you have to believe in this Bible to understand how this works. There's some stuff that you know in your mind, I should never do that, but sometime you're just going to do it. And know that about the person next to you as much as they want to love you. I wish, like, I mentioned my hot wife and my daughter. I wish that I could love them as purely as Jesus loves us. Jesus says things to us like, there's Jesus... uh, This is where faith does step in. If you believe Jesus is the Son of God, if you believe Jesus represented God, then what he's saying, what Paul says is, in Jesus there's no condemnation. So all that bad stuff that you wish you didn't do but you did, all that bad stuff that's been done to you that you wish hadn't happened, God says, Paul, super Christian, says There's no condemnation in Jesus. In Jesus, there's no condemnation. Who can condemn you? If if Jesus represents God and he says, there's no condemnation for you, I don't judge you, I don't put you down, I don't hold this against you, then who, who else matters? Who else matters? Because if we all understood this, we'd be a lot more gentle with one another. If we truly understood that if in any interaction that I ever had with Josh Hoover, if I understood that Josh wants to care and love, and sometimes he's going to jack up, then I'm not going to condemn him either. Why would I? Because tomorrow it's going to be me. I didn't mean to get all in sync just then. <laughs> but it's going to be me tomorrow. That's a true that's a true thing. So if we can all understand this idea, whether you care about this Bible or not, sometime a Christian may have in their best interest how to love you and they do it poorly. Um Sometimes, sometimes we have to turn loose. We have to actually, again, it doesn't even have to be a faith thing. Sometimes we have to turn loose of the past so that we can become, we can become the future. And it's not easy. That's no easy task. But Paul's still here we hear him we hear paul in the bible still holding on to some stuff that says i he has he has like the greatest grasp ever of the grace of god he understands that god says there's no condemnation found in jesus he understands that jesus says things like come to me and i'll give you rest he understands that jesus Loves you as much as he can on your best day as he does on your worst day. It's the same. Paul understands all these things and still in the back of his mind he has that. Don't don't even call me an apostle. Don't even call me an apostle. I remember what I did. Even Paul has that. So when you look around at your neighbors, when you look at your roommate and he's he or she's just ticking you right off. I understand sometimes we can have the best of intentions and they don't come through. But you know what? It's not a place to drag your bag behind you. Like the other the hope that is found here is that we all have this. I mean, we didn't we didn't read this and say a few of us have it and you're stupid. I don't know. If Paul has it, I sure have it and you have it too. So if we look around, we don't have to we don't have to drudge around saying, "Man, I wish I was just drag our bag behind us and say, "Man, I wish I was perfect like everybody else." Man, I wish I had my stuff together like blank. Fill it in with any name you want. Man, I hope they don't see me doing this because they've got it all together and I'm still doing this. No matter who it is, they have that too. And this is where the hope comes. This is where faith comes. This is where, at the height of Christianity, the word Christian translated means little Christ. And anyone who's ever encountered Jesus, like Paul encountered him and made that change, and Jesus said, I give you a completely different name. Anybody who's ever encountered Jesus, I think I could say as a Christian, I I wish that I could say when I encountered Jesus, and God said, I give you a new name, you're now my son. You're now part of my family. And that's what God says. That's what God says. When you come to him and submit to him, he says, we're going to get into it. Keep coming to chapel. It's in the rest of Romans. We're going to get into it where he says, I adopted you into my family. He said, when you come to him, he loved you so much that he said, you come be a part of my family. I'll change your name. And what we believe, what the Bible says, is that that same Jesus who said, there's no condemnation if you're in me, God decided to give him up to death on a cross. That's what we find out later. Like God, God was given on a cross so that we could enjoy this not condemnation. That's where the gospel lies. And it's funny because as I tell this and you hear this idea that says we all have this good and bad in us that are kind of slamming together. You get that, right? That makes sense. That's an easy thing for us to grasp. Like, yeah, there's been plenty of times in my life where I wanted to do good, but I did evil instead. Or there's been plenty of times in my life where I had all this stuff that I swore I was never going to do, but I did it. That's an easy thing. We say, yeah, yeah, I get that. We all have that. But then when I say, if you come to Jesus... There's no condemnation. Then when I say, if you come to Jesus and actually see the real Jesus, there's no condemnation. Then all of a sudden, that's a little harder for you to believe. I don't know if I buy it. I don't know if I buy it. The Bible did just tell me something that's super true here. But I don't know if I buy the other part. Because I've seen some Christians and they, they've treated me real bad. Or... I've seen some Christians, I think they're fake. Or there's a lot of people claiming to be Christians, but they don't treat me like they love me. And I wish I could be the guy who stood up here and apologized for that. And I'm sorry for those people who didn't treat you well. I'm sorry for those people who pushed you aside. I'm sorry for those people who who said with their mouths that they were Christians, but said with their lives that they hated you. I'm sorry for that. So it's tough. It's tougher to believe the second part. It's easy to believe we have this collision of good and evil. It's hard to believe there's no condemnation in Jesus. But please understand that's what the gospel's about. That's what the Bible's about. That's what at the at the end of the day, that's where it all comes to. Because I'm not, I'm not the best Christian. The person next to you is not the best Christian. Of all the people, if we took everybody and their Christian great acts together here in Sterling College and put them all together, we're still some people who need Jesus. We're still some people who need somebody to save us from this place. Because we can see good and evil all around us. So I send you with that knowing that this was kind of a tough text to get around, I send you with the hope that says, I want you to encounter Jesus. I hope that you encounter Jesus. And that in that encounter, that you don't find judgment. That you don't find hurt. That you find the love that you've been looking for. That you find Of the Jesus that says, I'll never leave you and forsake you. The Jesus that says, Jesus that says, I'll do anything to have you in my family. Don't judge Jesus by other Christians. Sometimes you can, sometimes Christians will just surprise the heck out of you and love you to no end but all of us have flaws. And to you that love the Lord, to you that are Christians, seek Him. Seek Him so that your love can be genuine and understand that there's no condemnation for you either, especially you. Those who have found Jesus, don't judge yourself so harshly. Come to Jesus and say, I understand this is true. I understand that I'm falling and that I hurt and that I've had problems, but I understand that He loves you, guys. That's about all I have. I want you to take that with you. Um, if anything rings home, I know this is a. I know this is just a chapel service, and and uh, and I hope that this spoke to you in some way. If any of this rings home, uh, and you want to talk about it further uh, I would rather talk to you about this than any other part of my job so um, if you want to talk to me uh, (laughs) feel free if I could talk to everyone in here and just make appointments for the next six and a half months then I would do it Um, again uh, I thank you guys for uh, listening. I'm going to pray for us. Just hang around here. Uh, The band's going to come back up, and they'll dismiss you here at the end of a couple more songs. And uh, I thank you guys for listening to me, and uh, and I want to pray for us. Dear Father, I thank you for every person here. I thank you for the opportunity to come before you tonight. I thank you that even in the midst of our trials and battles, that you come to us and say that we are yours. That you call to us, that you speak to our heart, that you gave us an example, that you gave us yourself. Father God, I ask that in this time of worship that you would just break down any barriers that might be between us and you that you would just clear that out of the way just for a few moments this evening that we can come before you. I ask your blessing on this worship team that uh, the talents that they have would be laid before you tonight, but that you would speak through them in song and music. Father, I ask that you would bless the hearts of each of these students, that they would know that you love them, We thank you for your son. We thank you for all you've done. We bless you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.